Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I'm your host, Josh Lindsay from the Movie Proposal Podcast. And with us, as always, is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hello there, Josh Lindsay. How are you? Very good, Christian. How are you? Good, thank you. And with us, as always, because we couldn't do it without him, very important guy, Jason Rugg. Hey there. I can't tell if that's sarcastic or not. (laughs) I think it's growing more and more sarcastic as you say it. You are a very important guy. I'm not going to let on either way. Okay. (laughs) And today we have a very special guest with us all the way from Chicagoland area, so not too far, but the, the one, the amazing fan of the podcast, Sandy Gordon. Sandy, welcome. Thank you, number one fan. <laughs> but Sandy, you are more than our, the number one fan of this podcast. Yes. Um, I, I need to do an introduction. And there was a debate. Do we read all of Sandy's bio? That would basically be the podcast. If we read yeah. your entire bio of filmmaking and television, unfortunately, we don't have that kind of time. <laughs> but I would like to highlight some of the things that you have done. Uh, so. Just, Sandy Gordon? Yeah, no, yes. let me just say, how many years have you been in the business? Let's just start with that. Um, I don't know, like 25, I guess, 30. And uh, and it's just, it's what's unusual about my background is that I, I've been in the film and TV industry, but I've moved around positions and, and tried different angles of it. So it's very diverse. It's not just one job this entire time. <laughs> yeah. So oh, why don't you diverse? let us- Diverse it is. <laughs> so let, let me, I'd like to give some highlights because this is pretty impressive. All right. Sandy Gordon is an Emmy award-winning producer and published author, a degree in television and radio from Ithaca College, worked on films. One of my favorites, Rudy. Rudy. And, <laughs> Always the favorite. <laughs> yes. But not just Rudy, the Hudsucker Proxy. I love that one. Uh, t- yeah. Worked on television series such as Party of Five, Early Edition. Um, also, we mentioned author. Uh, you've this is you've done at least two books. Is that right? Yeah, I've done two books, uh, film industry books. Okay, so the first one is Action: Establishing Your Career in Film and Television Production, and the next one is Great Jobs for Film Majors. I should have read this book somehow. I never came across my table. <laughs> Well, they're mostly that one's geared more towards high schoolers. And then the action book is, you know, once you've progressed your career, like how to break into the industry. Once ah, you've okay. Very good. Josh is almost done with high school. So that's perfect. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and then for the past year, Sandy has been working at DuPaul University as manager of production for the School of Cinematic Arts. And finally, as you mentioned, she spends her free time, all of her free time, apparently, listening to The Girl Who Wore Freedom and acting as a resident cheerleader for this powerful documentary. Thank you, Sandy, for being with us today. Yes, thanks for having me. I like to call my title for Christian is the cheerleader. I am definitely the cheerleader for The Girl Who Wore Freedom. <laughs> so how did you get introduced to Christian and or The Girl Who Wore Freedom? While Sandy is um, figuring out that phone call situation, oh, sorry, uh, of course. No, and I thought okay. I threw the- 
<laughs> so uh, I just want to step back for a couple of minutes um, and just give you a quick film update because um, we are trying to do two episodes with Sandy in an hour and we're trying to move through things really quickly. Uh, I just wanted to let everybody know we have now been accepted to five film festivals in 2021. Uh, two of them are coming up in January and the other three of them are in February. We are going to be in Chandler, Arizona. That's uh, January 21st through 24th. Then we're going to Polson, Montana to be in the Flathead Lake Cinematic uh, or Cinema Fest. Then we will be uh, at Scorpio, Scorpius Fest, which is in Park City, Utah, right after Sundance. And then after that, we will be um, in Buford, South Carolina at the Buford Film Festival. And then we will be in the Lake Michigan Film Festival in East Lansing. So we're kind of moving all over the place. And all of those film festivals will have an online component. So it's super exciting for everybody listening. Um, there are lots of chances in 2021 to watch the film. We still have a lot of film festivals still to hear back from, about 60 of them. So I don't know how many we'll get into, but uh, we've got some fun stuff coming up. So that's the update. I'm working on getting the um, deliverables done for all of the festivals. And that's a lot. So that's it for the film update. And now back to you. Well, that's a lot of stuff to be happy about. So that's exciting. There's some yeah. stuff in there since we last talked. So. And the one thing I want to say about Sandy is that she is not a cheerleader only. She is uh, one of our consulting producers. I tried to bring her on as far more than that, but she had a whole bunch of stuff going on in her life and wasn't able to traipse around the world with me. So, um, yeah, so Sandy has been around since way before uh, this. In fact, Sandy has been my mentor. I learned how to produce because of all of the time that I spent with Sandy. So uh, I wanted us to read her entire resume uh, just because I, I have such ultimate respect for her. And if you are a filmmaker listening to this pro podcast, um, soak it up because she is an awesome resource. Okay. All right. So, Josh, what was your question? Well, actually, I, I want to back up myself. What what exactly did you do on Rudy? <laughs> oh, we, we could talk for three hours because we could just talk about Rudy and the Hudsucker Proxy. So um, I went to school for television and radio. Um, but and so my intention was to work in television. Like I had visions of being uh, working on sitcoms and stuff like that. But when I when I was working um, in the in between semesters of college, I when I came home to Chicago, I would in, try to get internships. Right. And so one of my internships was actually on a movie called Mo Money that starred Damon Wayans. And I was in the locations department. And when I graduated from college, I was like the most networking person you've ever met, like just whatever I could do to get a job. And I called my boss from Mo Money and told him that I graduated and he was on his way to Indiana to work on a movie starring Sean Astin. And I said, oh my God, Sean Astin, Goonies, I am in. And he said, well, why don't you drive up here to visit and I'll show you around because it's just South Bend, it's an hour away. So I was ready. I packed a bag just to come for the weekend. I, I happened to have a friend from Ithaca that was going to grad school at, at Notre Dame. And then he called me back and he said, plan to come for four or five days. And then he called me back again and said, 
bring a suitcase. You're going to be with me for a while. I think I can hire you. I'm not sure, but just show up. And so my friend let me stay on her couch in her dorm. And, um, and I drove out to Notre Dame and sure enough, I, I got a job that lasted through the movie. I was in the locations department. And so I have two distinct honors. One was that I had the keys to every building at Notre Dame that we used, including the stadium. And I was the only woman that they know of in the history of Notre Dame to be in the men's locker room <laughs> because, oh. because we were shooting in there. And I had to, you know, I was in charge of securing like the locations were part of a contract with Notre Dame. But so each building, though, you had to figure out where where did the extras go? Where are we having lunch? Um, you know, where will the wardrobe go and all that kind of stuff? And so that was my job to be there first thing in the morning at five in the morning when the catering trucks rolled in, where do they park all the way through to we wrap at midnight or whatever it is. And, you know, helping them with anytime there's a where question, like, where's the rake? Like suddenly they're asking me because we're on location. So you have to have a car full of orange cones and duct tape and rakes and heat lamps and I just was all over Notre Dame securing the locations. So it was really a fun, fun job for sure. And the one movie that everyone seems to know from my background, because it was such a big hit. We, we have, I have a son that's, well, all my sons were into football. My son was a football coach and the youngest, however, would watch Rudy probably once a day from the time that he was three <laughs> until he was 10 or he just was obsessed with this film. So when I met Sandy, we actually got her to bring over her production Bible and come to our house with the script and other stuff. And we got to see all of that. And she watched the movie with us and told us all the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. It was the bomb. It was so Yeah, good. I had brought my photo album, which isn't very big. I think it was like 10 pictures total, but you know, it's like Vince Vaughn was, that was Vince Vaughn's first movie and he's barely in it, but he's a football player and John Favreau, that's where he got his start. That's how the two of them met to do swingers. So oh. um, yeah, fun, really fun. No, I had no sleep. I mean, I was working like crazy hours, but it was fun <laughs> anyway. So um, I, I have a, a thousand questions, but we got to move on. So um, we'll have to have you back just to talk about Rudy and the Hutzucker Proxy. <laughs> we could do an entire and podcast on location scouting. Sure. Yeah, we probably should do a podcast on location scouting, actually. Let's let's put that on. Uh, we'll have to have you back, Sandy. <laughs> sure. But today, that's not what we're talking yeah. about. So I, I did locations for three or three years, basically, and then I shifted gears and so I've shifted gears a few times, but I ended up shifting gears. Um, I had gone to LA, I came back to Chicago. And at the time that I came back to Chicago, um, it was booming for a couple of years with some TV shows. And then in 2000, the Canadians passed a tax incentive to convince people to take their productions up there. And so everything shut down in Chicago and I saw my friends moving. And at that time, my shifting gears had taken me to an editing company and I was producing at a post house. And we were doing mostly commercials, some feature films, but mostly commercials and corporate stuff. And um, I wouldn't say it was nine to five, but it was definitely like a more regular as a full-time job. But I didn't want my friends to move. So I ended up joining with a, a group called the Illinois Production Alliance, um, short, shortly named um, for I, the 
IPA. IPA. And then during that time, we were working as a an industry organization. We hired a lobbyist and we were working with the state legislature to try to pass our own film tax credit. And we were working with New York and Michigan who had passed their own. And we were kind of trying to work to figure out how do we bring people back to Chicago to rejuvenate our industry. And that is where I met Christian. So yeah. that brings us full circle back. And now we passed that. Um, I became president of the organization at some point, and that was right at the cusp of us passing the, the bill. Um, that bill has changed a few times, um, but it's now bringing in a ton of work. And that's why we have all the Dick Wolf shows and Empire was here and Fargo and all the new shows that are starting now um, from all the work that we did way back then. Wow. So real quick, um, we did meet at the IPA and we met because when I started out in trying to learn the industry of Chicago, um, volunteering was the best way that I knew to do that. And I looked up some of the important industries in Chicago and that was they had open meetings and I am a SAG actress and I knew that all of the unions were represented there and I was really curious to see what they were doing. And I heard about this tax credit thing. And so I just went to volunteer my time and Sandy and I had a um we kicked it off and uh, you know hit it off and also Lars Ulberg was uh the president at the time and we all shared a vision for helping bring uh production to Chicago uh but the tax credit is complicated and difficult to understand um can you explain a little bit about real quickly what the tax credit is yeah, basically, it's an incentive to convince people to shoot in a particular place. And at this point, after all of this went down in the early 2000s, um, early on, it was North Carolina and um, Louisiana had really, they, they responded to the Canadian tax credit and they created their own. And what the Canadians did was say, if you come to Canada, the government will give you money a percentage of your budget back is a check <laughs> i'll write you a check if you come here to canada and how can you not argue that so everybody wanted to go there and so what we've done in return is to say um, if you come to illinois to if you if you can bring your production to illinois where you would have taken it somewhere else and you can show us that this is the reason that you're coming to illinois is to take advantage of this tax incentive um, with an, a few other things that you have to meet, criteria you have to meet, um, will give you a credit on your Illinois taxes. So it's not a check, but it's credit for your taxes. And if you're not based in Illinois and you don't really have Illinois taxes, you can sell your credit. You can, you know, it's kind of like going to a currency exchange and like cashing your check there. You can, you know, lose a little bit off the top as you know to to make a deal with the bank and you can sell it and then they'll sell it to someone who is an illinois business that gets a little bit of savings from having bought this credit at a lower rate so um you know, we're the, we included in our tax incentive advertising so that it wouldn't be just feature films. It's also includes advertising. Um, there are a couple other states now that are taking that on as well, but we were the first to do that. And we're the only state at the time. And now I believe there are only one, there's only one other place where we have a diversity component and we ask that you have a plan for hiring minorities and we need to see that plan 
when when the plant when you apply for the credit. So it's been really great because it's helped to bring up um, people who normally don't get a foot in the door in our industry. And you'd see that our our crew base is really very diverse now. So that's really nice. Yeah, but there are criteria. So I'm sure people are thinking, well, Christian, didn't you do that? And uh, I really was not able to use the tax credit because, you know, over 50% of our film, I mean, way over more like 80, 90% of our film was shot in France and other places. And we have uh, not enough people working on our film from Illinois. There's just a whole bunch of things we did not meet. And right. so- it's really an incentive to, hire local people and to do your shoot in Illinois. And that way you're benefiting the businesses in Illinois because, you know, people don't really think about what, um, what kind of income the film community brings to wherever it shoots, but you're buying your lumber for building your sets and the paint and you're buying furniture and props. You are buying food every day for hundreds of people, multiple meals, and you're renting cars, you're renting, you're going to the dry cleaner with their wardrobe. So it really brings in a, a large amount of money of revenue for the state. And so that's why the state is interested in having this incentive. It brings millions of dollars in, but it doesn't work if you're just popping in for a day to do a shoot or you're bringing in your, you bring in all of your crew from somewhere else. Like it doesn't really benefit us. So you wouldn't benefit, we wouldn't want to give you that incentive. Yeah. So, you know, and also there are tax incentives, of course, lots of different places now because everybody realizes this is A, a big way to lure production companies and B, your little town, village, city, state has, you know, uh, notoriety. People know of that place now and they want to go to that place usually. So there are many reasons for a state to offer that. It's become very competitive. Chicago's is one of the very best uh, tax credits out there, uh, but we needed it because people don't only want to shoot here a short period of time. Um, we also did not have any sort of a backlot to speak of really. And now we've spent some money on infrastructure and we've begun to develop that in Illinois. So think about shooting here. All right. So that's a tax credit we didn't even plan on talking about. What's right, that, Josh? Right. But that's how we met. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, um, your role, Sandy, as a consulting producer, can you describe some examples of, of what that means? Because often people see producer or executive producer, and it doesn't really carry a whole lot of meeting and and. and and there's a variety of things that can happen. And so you being a consulting producer, what specifically did you do on the Girl of War Freedom? Well, you know, so you're right. When you say producer, that can mean so many different things to different people, right? And it, and it even depends on the genre that you're working in. So, you know, you could be an executive producer for a corporate video, or you could be an executive producer for a TV show, and you might have different responsibilities just based on what the needs are to, to pull off that production. And, um, and then there's a difference between executive producer and line producer and segment producer, and it just sort of depends on the genre that you're working in and, and what needs to happen most of the time and any all of the time a producer is is you know more on the the above the line higher end bigger picture overseeing the entire project to some degree and a consulting producer in this case was me 
um, mentoring Christian when she would have questions in her endeavor because she's a first time filmmaker. And so um, in the beginning, it started with just Christian telling me about her life and that Hunter was going to be going to France on this special honor and that she was then going to France as well and going to see, you know, this, this ceremony in Normandy that we really didn't know much about. And then when she came home, she was so excited about it and had a million stories to share. And the more and more she was talking about it and saying, it's unbelievable, the ceremony that they have, and you just can't even imagine how they treat our veterans. And this is, no one knows about this. And I want people to know about it. And I think that we should film it. And she said, we, <laughs> and you're coming with me. And, um, you know, I said, look, if you want to make a documentary about this story, you are really in a good position to do that because my experience in my trying to produce my own projects and pitching to TV networks unscripted work, like, like reality show type of stuff where it's documentary style and you're interviewing people, what I've learned is that when you have a unique story and you have special access to the people involved, if you know the characters directly and no one else knows them, would know about them, would know how to get in line with them, they can't take that away from you. That is your special thing that you have. That already brings you to the top of the list of who should be telling the story. You can keep it as your own. They're not going to tell you, get lost, new filmmaker. We're going to take this. It gives the filmmaker the advantage. And it's a story that's unique. Nobody's ever heard a story about the war that was told from this perspective. So I saw that as a win-win. What I told Christian was, you know, it takes like five to 10 years to make a documentary, right? <laughs> and it's a long endeavor. Are you really sure you're up for this? And if you do it, my advice would be, you know, really flesh out your story first. Don't go rushing to shoot this footage. But, you know, Christian knew that they were about to have a big anniversary the next time they did this um, ceremony and that probably you want to shoot that ceremony specifically. So now there's this rush to get it all together in time for that. So, again, for me, it's sort of like, well, go capture that footage because that's special, but know that you're going to have to come back for the interviews. Um, Christian is just very hard to say no to, but she kept saying, well, you're coming with me and you'll come with me and we'll do this. And I just wasn't really able to go, but, um, you know, she was just determined that she could get this all done in that one chunk of time and was moving like at lightning speed. <laughs> so I was just there to kind of champion her of you can do it. Don't give up. You have, you're onto something here and you'll figure it out. You know, and I would just so as a consulting producer, I would be there for her if she had a question that I could help to answer. Or I'm in a bucket of tears and ready to quit. <laughs> or uh, I mean, I can't tell you how many calls, uh, you know, problem solving calls and emails and text messages that I sent her, um, you know, but she started being a consulting consultant to me far before this. So we did have experience um, when she was in her pitching phase of trying to come up with her own, um, you know, reality show or something like that. The reality is always happening to me. Yes, <laughs> so, that's true. 
I would always bring Sandy these stories of like, you would not believe what happened. And um, you might notice that as Christian has told her story in the past year through your podcast, that she has unbelievable stories that just happen in her life that, you know, what do you mean the person that you were interviewing also happened to be like the president of the company in France that happens to have special access to the museum, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. And so, um, you know, the the way that we started working in the first production, the bottom line was I was field producing for Inside Edition, ended up getting stuck in a snowstorm on a train for four hours, even though I was supposed to be riding with a snowplow. And I got stuck in this train with... (laughs) With the owners of the Slaughter football team, which was owned by um, Jim McMahon, who was a quarterback for the Chicago Bears, and Steve McMichael, who was one of the coaches, and Jared Payton, the son of Walter Payton, was on the team. And so we're in this, you know, car, and I'm going around trying to film people talking to them about, you know, this experience. And they're like, you should do a show about us. And I was like, and then she's texting me from the train, like, you are not going to believe this story. <laughs> yeah. So we went through a whole year of uh, filming the slaughter and putting together a pitch package that by the time we got it done, the team had dissolved and fallen apart and right. it was a disaster. But, um, but anyway, we, we learn, I learned so much through that process. And then Sandy has continued to just uh, mentor me then through each stage as I grew as a producer, a director, um, and so on. So we are at the time that we need to shut down this episode. And we haven't even talked about what we were going to talk about, which was line producing and, uh, you know, sort of the state that our industry is going in. So we're going to keep talking, but we're going to do the second half of this interview and we're going to save it for next week. So, uh, Sandy, I just thank you so much for just the little bit you shared with us today. It's been super interesting and awesome. And we'll see you next week. Sounds good. Thank you. And thank you for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you can be the one to tell it. Yes, you can. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we would really appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. Also, if you're able to share the news about the girl who wore freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email. And sign up for our newsletter at thegirlwhowarefreedom.com. Please go to thegirlwhowarefreedom.com slash donate to make a donation today.